Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The cold hard truth about the Olympic journey is not really been financially incentivized in the same way that many other professional sports are. The business of basketball involves CBA, Global, our licensing arm, Think 450. All of those things will make up what that looks like. Money in sports is one of the reasons why I enjoy being on Monday Night Countdown. We talk about some of the more interesting aspects of business of sports. When you're talking sports, discipline is the bridge from being good to ultimately being great at whatever it is that you're trying to be or accomplish at your profession. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. Coming up, we're talking lots of baseball with author and ESPN senior writer Howard Bryant. He released his 10th book, Ricky, The Life and Legend of an American Original on baseball legend Ricky Henderson. Plus, we'll talk with him about the current state of the game coming out of the All-Star break and heading toward the trade deadline. I'm excited for our conversation with Howard Bryant. His book on Ricky Henderson really goes beyond the blockbuster numbers that Ricky put up in his long career. It touches on his impact. It really digs into his impact in terms of diversity in sports as a black athlete and his impact on players' salaries, which is fascinating because he was really ahead of his time. He's also in a group of legendary athletes that played in the Bay Area, which made me think of one of our own here at Bloomberg, Seth Magaliner. Seth is a producer who has a very unique background in baseball, especially in the Bay Area. Seth produced a documentary called The Bay Area Black Aces, and I want to bring him into the program. Seth, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about your background in baseball. I started out in baseball in the late 80s and uh, took that uh, all the way to Bloomberg, where I was producing the sports business show Sportfolio when I first joined the network. You wrote and produced a documentary called The Bay Area Black Aces that won the Northern California Emmy Award as the best sports program in 2004. Uh, And the decade before that, you didn't mention, you actually worked for the A's organization during Ricky Henderson's second tour of duty. And that'll be important later on. I want you to explain to us a little bit about the premise of your documentary, Bay Area Black Aces, because Ricky Henderson is not a pitcher, but he's certainly a Bay Area superstar. The Black Aces concept was generated by one of the 12 African-American pitchers in history to win 20 games in a season, to be an ace. And that was Jim Mudcat Grant, 
who uh, pitched in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. And back in the early 2000s, he was promoting the fact that this was an exclusive baseball club. And baseball is all about numbers and clubs, right? The 500 home run club, the Mm -hmm. 3,000 hit club. And to that point, in the early 2000s, there had only been 12 black pitchers to win 20 games. And and Mudcat really wanted that to, to become a thing. And what I noticed, and I had been working in the Bay Area, is that of those 12, four were uh, Bay Area pitchers had pitched for the Giants and the A's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there are people who'd like to make that a trivia question, but it was Sam Jones of the Giants was the first, then Vida Blue, then a fellow named Mike Norris, who figures very much in Ricky Henderson's career, as as Howard Bryant, uh, Howard Bryant's book makes clear, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, Dave Stewart. And so my documentary was about what made it possible for this concentration mm-hmm. in one in one city to take place. And then actually, since then, there have been two more in the club. Uh, C.C. Sabathia, who grew up in Vallejo, and Dontrell Willis, who grew up in Alameda, California. So it's really kind of a remarkable cluster. As a child of baseball cards, I have my Vita Blue baseball card. <laughs> but, but again, like you said, it's, it was rare to see a black pitcher. You know, for every Bob Gibson... Uh, there were not a lot of people who were, and even Bob Gibson and, and every one of them really had to fight to get taken seriously in that role. And uh, and unfortunately now with the way baseball has evolved, uh, we're probably not going to see 20 game winners uh, very often anyway. Um, and so it's it's interesting that category may kind of go go to history, but certainly the the issue of race in baseball uh, with participation now this year down under, I think it's 7.2% of players on big league rosters are black, and that's down from a high of 35 in the mid-1970s. Which so is crazy. Shift. I think about that, how much it's changed. You talked about how um, four of those pitchers were from the Bay Area teams or were playing for Bay Area teams and, and grew up in the Bay Area, the East Bay specifically. Economic clusters is something we talk about a lot in business, right? Um, Silicon Valley has a lot of engineers, and because there's a lot of work opportunities for them, it you have more developing in the region as well. Why is it from where you sit and from what you've observed, do we have this precipitous drop-off in black baseball players? Yeah, there's a lot of studies uh, on that. One is just in general where the culture has gone that football and basketball mm-hmm. uh, have overtaken baseball in general in the culture, as, and now soccer is really close behind. And I, I think those games are perceived, as, those sports are perceived as being more friendly. Uh, mm. They take less with baseball you know you need more players uh not from football but certainly from basketball you know you can play three-on-three basketball and get really good and you can't play three-on-three baseball right uh lack of fields lack of mentors uh those factors have certainly been uh discussed and to some degree i think you know just lack of of a welcoming feeling in the game mm-hmm. um also you know lack of college scholarships a lot more players now in baseball come out of college and fewer players who get college scholarships are from the black community mm-hmm. so it's it's really complex but but undeniable seth you are the man thank you for sharing your knowledge with us we really do appreciate it so nice to join you thanks
Thank you, Seth. Up next on the show, more baseball. Author and ESPN senior writer Howard Bryant joins us to talk everything MLB, plus a look at his latest book on Ricky Henderson, Ricky, the life and legend of an American original. That is straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm on Twitter at Scarlet Foo. And don't forget to catch our podcast. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays on all your podcast platforms right here on Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg. Radio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Foo. Lots of big baseball to talk about as the MLB season heads into the second half. Let's dive straight in with ESPN senior writer Howard Bryant. He is also the author and released his latest book on Ricky Henderson. Ricky, the life and legend of an American original. Howard, welcome to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. No, thank you for having me. First of all, what gave you the idea to do the book? Well, it's actually funny. I mean, I think that we were one of my one of my great friends, the late great Pedro Gomez, and I, and a bunch of baseball writers. We were doing our usual spring training thing a bunch of years ago, and I had just finished the last hero, my last biography on on Henry Aaron back in 2010, and we were going across, you know, racking our brains, doing a little brainstorm about how many people out there in baseball could actually carry a full narrative. How many guys out there, and we like to think that that number is really big. It's actually really not that big (laughs) in terms of the number of people that you really want to read about. And especially if you could find that sweet spot of somebody who was big enough that can carry a narrative, but who also was not totally tainted by drugs. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like writing about steroids. I wrote about steroids in my second book, Juicing the Game, back in 2005. And it was a really sort of difficult thing. And we started to think about the number of guys. And Ricky was really sort of at the top of the list. And then something else happened. Then in 2014, on Henry Aaron's 80th birthday, I was asked to present Henry at the uh, at the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C. So Henry and I did this amazing event and there were so many Hall of Famers in the front row, and one of them was Ricky. And Ricky and Jim Rice and Robin Yount, all these, you know, all these Hall of Famers were there. And um, we went to the gala later that night, 
And it was Ricky's wife, Pamela, who came up to me and said, I want you to do for my husband what you did for Hank Aaron. Hmm. And I said, I didn't do anything for Hank Aaron. <laughs> Hank Aaron doesn't need my help. He's Hank Aaron. And so, um, so as the years started to pass, I started to really think. And a couple of years later, by 2016, 2017, I really started thinking about Ricky. And I started thinking about Ricky for another reason. And it really started to like complete my thinking that this was going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. I always look at sports in the 20th century. But sports in the 20th century is it is the era of, it's the century of sports. It's where sports became a mega business. It's where sports became so in, you know, invaluable to the American culture. And it really does go in three waves. The, the first wave of sports is the, is the immigration era, where you have the Industrial Revolution in the late 19th century, it's late, late, late 19th century, and you have a bunch of Europeans coming to the United States. Their kids really became Americanized through sports through all their sports heroes, whether it was Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio. And, you know, the parents didn't speak English, but the kids became American through sports. And the second era is the integration era. Mm-hmm. And you get into the mid-50s right before the Civil Rights Movement, and their African-Americans become front and center in the culture, that baseball really was the first major American institution to integrate. It integrated before most schools, integrated before the military, integrated before corporate America. So baseball is the start of the integration era. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, then there's the third era, which is the economic era. It's the, it's the money era. It's the free aging era. 1975, after the Peter Seitz decision, and now all of, all of a sudden, the players are making super money, and every single year there's either a strike or a lockout, and there's incredible labor strikes. But the players have, are now superstars, and they're super rich, and now they're moving. And it's not really – they're moving teams, and it's not necessarily a heroic era. And I wanted to do something on this years ago, and I couldn't get a publisher really interested. And publishers were telling me that, well, the money era is really not – uh, something that fans want to hear about. Hmm. That it's not a it's not a happy ending because the fans and players get so bitter toward each other because the money is so big. And I was like, I totally disagree with that. So I'm like, I'm I am really thinking that Ricky checks off a box here because Ricky is all about money. Yes, Ricky Anderson. Yeah, you could have done this book on Ricky Jackson. You could maybe do it on Michael Jordan. But when it comes to a player whose total worth is defined by pay me what I'm worth, and in this game. I'm not comparing myself to an electrician. I'm not comparing myself to a farmer. I'm comparing myself to the guy next to me, and he's making more money than me. I am going to be unapologetic about it. I'm going to be loud about it. Right. And if need, and if need be, I'm going to be really brash and and sometimes unprofessional about it. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna withhold services if I don't get what I want. So Ricky is a really complicated character, and as I began to think about him. I began to think about this sort of American arc of a guy who was super talented from day one. I asked Ricky, when did you know you had world-class talent? And he said, oh, I don't know, about sixth grade. They said, you were 11. (laughs) 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 You know, that early? You know, and in thinking about him, I was thinking, hey, here's a guy who has a wonderful story arc. He is really one of the most talented players to ever play the game. He is one of the most unpopular players to ever play the game. And at the same time, by the end of his career, he's one of the most beloved players who played the game. He's this combination of 
Sancho but, Page and Yogi Berra. But at the time that he was playing, he wasn't necessarily beloved. I mean, the fans loved no, him. No, he was not beloved. Because he was no. so intriguing to watch, but his That's peers right. didn't love him. Um, management didn't love him. It, I mean, now no. in retrospect, we, we see him as this character and this beloved figure within baseball. But at the time, that wasn't the case. Was he ahead of his time in understanding and being aware of his worth in a way that other players, particularly black players, uh, were not um, given the opportunity? 100%. And it's a great point. And that was one of the things that I was asking myself when I was working on this, uh, on these outlines. It was like, okay, how do you go from being a guy that people really can't stand to somebody that, that people want to tell stories about? And that was really good material. And the reason, of course, number one, was Ricky obliterated the record book. He, there's nobody like him. He was just that good as a player mm-hmm. that you really couldn't take your eyes off of him. But to your other point, yeah, Ricky was ahead of his time because Ricky wasn't afraid. Black players coming out of the 1950s and 60s, they were so grateful in a lot of ways just to be allowed to integrate the game mm-hmm. that they weren't going to rock the boat. And now this generation, Ricky comes... Ricky doesn't come from the Jackie Robinson era. Ricky comes from the Muhammad Ali era. Ricky's the guy who pulls the base out of the ground and says, today, I'm the greatest of all time. That's not something that a black player would have said from the 40s or the 50s. Mm-hmm. That is a, a complete reference to Muhammad Ali. Howard, Ricky, in many ways, and you make this case in your book, is a unicorn because the stuff he does, he does better than anyone else. Stealing bases, for instance. But in 2022... Stealing bases doesn't matter to the analytics guys and ultimately the owners, right? Stealing bases, leadoff owners, not as much of a priority for clubs that are pursuing, you know, men on base, winning records, championships. Talk a little bit about how a player like him would survive in, in 2022. Well, you're right about the stolen bases, Kelly, but they'll take the home runs. <laughs> they love home runs. They'll still take every home run they can get in this Yeah, sport. but they want it with a couple men on base, too, right? Yeah, Not exactly. as lead of home like, run. Well, and you know what? I'm so glad you said that because that, that is the nuance. I remember uh, at one point being in spring training and talking to Billy Dean, the age general manager, and, of course, the godfather of, of the Moneyball era. And I said to him, what would Ricky be today? And he said, with the advanced metrics, Ricky's even better than he was back then. Hmm. And you couldn't, you couldn't pay Ricky enough today. Today, I said, well, who is the comp? He says, well, the comp is Mike Trout, who's the best player in the game right now. And, and I, he said that Ricky doesn't have Mike Trout's power, mm-hmm. but he's got plenty of power to hit the ball out of the ballpark. We would probably just shift Ricky's categories. We would shift his columns. We would, we would de-emphasize his speed, and we would emphasize his power. We would take him probably out of the leadoff spot and put him in the three spot. So, as you said, so he could hit home runs with men on base. And and I listened to that, and he said, well, you know, and because Ricky's got such a phenomenal eye, he's still going to walk 100 times. So he's just going to be, he can play in any era. And I started thinking about this, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. A Ricky Henderson whose speed is de-emphasized and whose power is emphasized who's not hitting in the leadoff spot, who's not stealing 75 to 100 bases every year, is still a great player, but is it Ricky Henderson? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, part of what made Ricky great wasn't his ability to hit home runs. A lot of guys could hit home runs. It was where he did it, how he did it, and how different he was from the position that he was playing, which was a leadoff guy who was supposed to be a table setter. So I absolutely understood what Billy was saying, but I also think that if you take Ricky today, 
and you don't let him steal, and you don't let him do the things that made him who he was, I think he's less of a player, even if the numbers, even if the power numbers are the same. On the other hand, I talked to Joe Madden, who was manager of the Angels, who was fired earlier this year, and he told me that, look, when you're trying to steal a base, they in the dugout, they're timing you. If the pitcher gets to the, to the plate, if his plate delivery is in 1.2 seconds or less, you have no chance to steal the base. You are not allowed to steal. Your chances of being, of being thrown out are extremely high. We're not going to let it happen. Except in Ricky's case. And he tells me a story about how when Ricky was playing with him at the, the Angels in 97, Ricky was beating the pitcher even at 1.2 and 1.1 seconds. Remarkable. Just to give you an idea of how fast he was. And here's the other thing. Ricky was 38. He was 39 years old at the time. He's a 38-year-old able to do this. And so his gifts translate across. You were saying earlier about Ricky being a unicorn, and it is true. They said, what's Ricky's legacy? And sometimes I don't know if he has one because he can do things that they don't even emphasize in the game right now. Maybe if he were in the game, they would let him do it. But with instant replay and the lack of emphasis on on stolen bases, I do wonder. Still a great player, but not the guy we grew up with. You're exactly right about what he could do because he not only could he hit, he could put the ball where the ball needed to be for the play to evolve. And that's an art that I'm seeing today that is is starting to wear away. No, it's, it's gone because there the the attitude is is that we will sacrifice batting average for power. And my question is, is that, okay, well, if you're going to sacrifice batting average for power, and it's a game of failure anyway, if the greatest players get a hit, you know, three out of ten times, what are we watching in the meantime? We're watching a whole lot of strikeouts and a whole lot of outs. And people were saying baseball was boring before that. Yeah. Ricky made the game really exciting. And here's one last thing I want to say about just the unicorn that Ricky was. In 19, from 1979, Ricky's first at bat in the big leagues to 2001, the end of the 2001 season where he gets his 3,000 hit. Ricky joins the Boston Red Sox the very next year, 2002. So between 1979 and 2001, the year before he joined the Red Sox, Ricky stole more bases than the Red Sox. (laughs) The entire team. (laughs) He he stole more bases than an entire team, which is, like, impossible. That's like... That's like Dave Root stuff, where you hit more home runs than a, than the whole than a whole league. It's in, it's incredible what he what he did, and you just can't put a a, a comp on that. Yeah, he's incredible. Still to come on the show, more with ESPN senior writer Howard Bryant. That is straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports, and I'm on Twitter at Scarlet Foo. And do not forget to catch our podcast. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays on all your podcast platforms. And right here on Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers, they're small business masterminds. 
And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And let's continue our conversation now with Howard Bryant, senior writer at ESPN and author. His 10th book is out on the legacy and lasting impact of baseball legend Ricky Henderson. Ricky, the life and legend of an American original. And Howard, we were just talking about how Ricky's playing style would translate to today's game. You had mentioned that Billy Bean, of course, the original Moneyball guy, said that he would emphasize his power, Ricky's power, but de-emphasize his speed because nobody cares about stealing bases anymore. But that's basically commoditizing Ricky Henderson. And you can't really commoditize a guy like Ricky Henderson and his skills. Well, and that's what, but that's what the game has become. And that's why a lot of people in the sport are very concerned about the future of the sport because they're like, it's getting stale. It's mm-hmm. too stale. We need guys to hit the ball. We need guys to move runners over. We need action on the base path. Otherwise, it becomes this sort of four-hour home run derby. And who yeah. really wants that? And, and, and what happens when you're not hitting home runs? There's a whole lot of pop-ups, and the game isn't really as much fun. And I okay. remember talking to Ricky about this, and he was distraught about, about being told that he wouldn't be able to steal bases in today's game. So that being the case, Howard, is... Steve Cohen and his number crunchers, the analytics guys, Billy Bean and his Moneyball people, are they bad for the sport of baseball in terms of creating an exciting product for people to watch? I mean, they might be good in terms of doing what they need to do to generate efficiencies, but it doesn't create a better product. Outstanding question, and you're 100% right. And I think that the biggest mistake that they're making isn't only that, and Billy and I have talked about this for years, it's the fact that you are trying to sell this game through those analytics. You're trying to sell the game through numbers. I have no problem with evaluating players through numbers and drafting players through numbers. But every time you look up on TV, you're seeing some sort of mathematical formula up there about this guy's launch angle and this guy's hard hit rate. you got to sell the people. It goes back to what Joe Torre used to say. The game still has to have a beating heart. And I'm thinking every time I'm watching a baseball game, it feels like a trigonometry test. <laughs> and at some point, at some point, you've got to get it back to the people. Now, the saving grace with Steve Cohen and the Mets is that his manager, Buck Showalter, absolutely loves Ricky, and he was one of Ricky's coaches back in uh, the Yankee days. In, in the mid-80s. And so if Ricky and Buck were, were, were paired up, that would be great. In fact, if you called Ricky right now, he would tell you, I think I could still help a team. even though Wait, wait, wait. He retired. Old. He's in the Hall of Fame. That's not possible, he is it? Never, he never retired. I went to Ricky and I said, you know, Ricky, you never officially retired. I mean, the phone stopped ringing, but you actually never, ever announced your retirement. And he said, I think I could still help a team. And I said, you're 61 years old. <laughs> I want to ask you, though, about the state of baseball in general. Do you think that we have big enough personalities to attract new followers? Do we have a Tommy Lasorda that can fight (laughs) the Philly fanatic? Just colorful stuff like that. It's do we need more of that for the game? No, 100 percent. 
hundred percent. You need more of it for the game, and and this is the this is the issue that baseball has had in terms of how you choose to sell your game. And baseball has chosen to sell its game through numbers, and eventually that gets very very stale. It, it loses its its power. And the technology has a lot to do with it. The technology sort of changes things. The, the old Tommy Lasorda's and the, the Billy Martins and, and all of those types of managers and Sparky Andersons, those colorful managers don't get to do all the crazy histrionics that we used to see, except for Aaron Boone, who's still manager of the Yankees, still seems to like to fight with, with umpires all the time. <laughs> but because today they have replay, so there's no reason to argue. You sit in the dugout, you go look, and you're either safe or you're out. It's a totally different sport, and and the instant replay has changed a lot of how the game is sort of played on the field. It's, it's, a, it's a risk-averse game now. It's not as daring as it used to be. And you go back and look at the history of the black player in the game. You know, Negro League Baseball was extremely daring. Basically, it wasn't a power game. It was a speed game. You look at the Caribbean game in, in Latin America also, a speed game. But you come to America, and it's a bopping game. It's a game where you try to hit the ball over the fence, and everything sort of bogs down. Mm-hmm. And I, I think at some point, you still need to add the electricity to the game. You, we need more Rickies, to be honest. They couldn't wait to get rid of him early in his career, but now we get it. <laughs> yeah, and I think about the contrast to, say, a Derek Cheater. Um, there's this uh, documentary series on ESPN right now, and all the reviews the are in. The captain. And just talking about how boring it is, because Derek Cheater cultivated <laughs> this personality where he showed no personality, right? I mean, that's how he I survived. Mean, documentary. It's got to be a little exciting. Right? I don't know. It's they said he doesn't, he doesn't share anything. <laughs> he doesn't reveal anything. He tries to stay as... Uh, bland as possible, and that's built up from years of dealing with New York media, right? I mean, if well, you... that's what he said. I covered Derek in the on the Yankees. I covered the Yankees in 2001 and 2002, and Derek used to say, "I'm I am purposely bland," mm-hmm. and that may have served him and allowed him to concentrate and kept his focus and everything. But it certainly doesn't lend itself to the type of bigger personalities. But this is also this is also baseball's doing. Baseball, Scott, they really went out of their way to become a, a local game. Now I, you know, I'm an old guy, so I remember back when everybody in the country knew who Reggie Jackson was. Everybody in the country knew a lot of those baseball players. They mm-hmm. knew the guys cross country. Baseball now sells itself into regional markets. So you know the LeBron Jameses and the Aaron Rodgers and the Tom Brady's of the world. They get the country, but baseball. How do you have a guy like Mike Trout and Shelly Otani in the sport and people in baseball don't, outside of baseball, don't know who they right, are? They right, right. household names. But this is the sport, how the sport has chosen to sell itself to the public. I don't believe that baseball can't be a national game. I believe this is a choice. How do you say no to $440 million? <laughs> uh, anybody not know what I'm talking about? Juan Soto, he rejected a contract of $440 million from the National. He can get $441 million, Barr. <laughs> there you Man. go. That's the, and that is the reason. Well, how do you like that as a message? That's Juan Soto saying, I won't play for you for any amount of money. You can't pay me enough because if you're 400 over 15 years, I can get 400 for 10 somewhere else. And I don't have to play here. The Yankees will give me 400. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers will give me 400. There's, there's money out there. And now, and this, is, this goes back to a sort of a Ricky thing. I go back to when I was going through the day by day. People were more upset in the early 80s when Len Barker 
received a $900,000 contract, and he wrote a letter to the fans saying, I apologize that you know, nobody's worth that kind of money. And today, Ron Soto was turning down $400 million, and people kind of don't bat an eye. But it, it is the beginning of the, you know, that was the beginning of the money era. People weren't used to it. But today, the bottom line is really simple. If you sit back and you say, okay, we got 30 teams out there, Juan Soto is going to go. Mike Trout got 400. Mookie Betts got 360 or 380 or somewhere in there. The, you know, Aaron Judge is going to try to get 400. How many teams out there are going to afford that contract? There's probably about three or four teams out there yeah. where you can get that same money. It's not like Juan Soto was saying to himself, I'm going to cost myself money by not playing with the Nationals. He's still <laughs> going to get his price. I mean, if the Padres are giving out $300 million contracts, the money is there. I am just <laughs> blown away. I, I just $440 million. And by the way, I just to let you all know, I'll be damned if you all hear a letter from me apologizing for any money that I make. God, this ain't happening. <laughs> but it's, it's true. I mean, and the sport back then, the writers and the industry itself, back in the late 70s, early 80s, they sold the sport to, to, to the public like baseball was not a business. It was a game. And... In a game, you don't make that kind of money. And Ricky was like, no, 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 I want my million. Yeah. Even, even though in 1979, Ricky was making 17000 a few years later, he was making five thirty-five, and still thought he was underpaid. I was like, it's a pretty good jump in salary. <laughs> Howard Bryant, senior writer at ESPN, author of his 10th book, it is out on the legacy and lasting impact of baseball legend Ricky Henderson. Ricky, the life and legend of an American original Howard, I bless you for your knowledge, and I enjoy talking with you, sir. Howard, oh, wonderful to talk Thank to you. you. Thank mm-hmm. you, so, Thank much. you so, much. so much. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time for the number of the week. Scarlett, Where I humiliate myself on a weekly you, basis. You are not going to humiliate yourself. I promise you. This one is on the World Golf Hall of Fame. Now, it's leaving Florida and returning to North Carolina. What I want to know is, when was the World Golf Hall of Fame in (laughs) St. Augustine, Florida? When did it open? I will give you 25 years either way. Okay. I'm going to say 1963. Uh, Are you laughing at me? I'm not laughing, but I I think you you kind of missed it. It's 1998. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's when it opened. Wait, because it's only it just, been around since 1998 and they're moving it? They're only in Florida since 1998. A very mad scarlet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. We're going to have to have a little talk before um, you figure out the number of the week next week. And we've got I've, we've got to find a way to get me back on a respectable track before um, Damien or Lynchy come back. We, we call that in the business the quiz show scandal. So you want the answer before <laughs> no, these no, guys no, no, come no, back. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about giving me the answers. We just, you know, need to make sure that you we have an understanding of where my strengths lie. Uh, <laughs> this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show. We're here each and every week at the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcast, You can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And you can find me on Twitter at Scarlet Foo. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again next week for the latest on the stories moving big money in the world of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. 
take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.